Welcome to Stories of Iceland. It is summer in Iceland, which means sun. COVID-19 is back, not in force, but we are worried. Please be careful. The not surprising result of the presidential election means that Guðni T.H. Johannesson was re-elected with 92% of the votes. Only 67% of Icelanders voted, which is quite a low turnout. Icelanders seem to like the president to be a unifier, and they also just didn't like the other candidate. If you want to help me focus more of my energy towards this podcast, please support me on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. My newer supporters are Mark Willis, Vaida von Helstari, Heather Kvale, and Jetup. I'd like to thank all of my supporters, especially Troy Williams, Kristen Rose, Robin Williams, and Catherine Matthews, friends of the podcast. Join them at patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. There is extra material there. But this is Stories of Iceland, and this is episode 34, Eurovision, Will Ferrell, and Iceland. Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. There is a new Netflix film about Iceland in Eurovision. It stars Will Ferrell as Lars Erik Song and Rachel McAdams as Sigrid Eriksdóttir. These names are supposed to be Icelandic, but they are not. The film is called Eurovision Song Contest The Story of Firesire. It was supposed to premiere in May at the time when the song contest was to be held, but for some reason there was no contest this year. We don't need to get into that. You do need to know that Iceland was destined to win this year. But since there was no Eurovision, the movie dropped on Netflix late in June. There are very light spoilers ahead. The first question you might ask is, what is Eurovision? Well, it is a song contest held by European television stations since 1956. It has given us classic songs such as Waterloo by ABBA. Ne partes pas moi by Celine Dion. And Nel Bleu di Pinto di Blu, or Volare, as it is better known. Volare, oh, oh, cantare, oh, 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 Nel Bleu di Pinto di Blu. Eurovision is both hated and loved by people in Europe. 
the opening of the movie is quite nice. We get a clip of an Icelandic folk song that everybody knows. A very good choice. We start in Husvik, a small town in the northeast of Iceland. Today the town is mostly known for whale-watching tours. Later in the movie, there is a scene with whales, which made me laugh out loud, but that is later. Now the year is 1974, the year Appa one. We see a group of people watching and drinking beer, which is one of the many things the movie gets wrong about Iceland. We didn't have beer in Iceland in 1989. It was banned for 74 years. But since I often fall into apologetics with the movie errors, I will now explain it away. Though beer was banned, there was always smuggling going on, so maybe a Eurovision party would have been an occasion to give everyone a rare treat. Among those present in the party are the children Lars and Sigrid. We also get Piers Brosnan trying to speak Icelandic. <laughs> I can understand what he is saying, but he does not sound native. I don't blame him. I have loved him since I saw him on a TV miniseries set in Hong Kong back in the 80s. He also posed for a picture with my sister while shooting this film in Husavik. My earliest memory of Eurovision is from 1984, when Sweden won with Digilu Digilei. I remember asking my sister when the Icelandic entry would start and being dismayed that we weren't participating. But even though we did not take part in the contest, everyone still watched it. Of course, it was the only thing on the only television station in Iceland. When you watch the movie, you should know that the song contest is important to Icelanders. This is one of the few things the movie gets right about Iceland. When Eurovision is on, at least the finals, the streets are empty. It is just not Iceland. It is big in most of Europe. So the 3rd of May 1986 was a big day in Iceland. For the first time ever, we were participating in the Eurovision Song Contest. We knew we were going to win. We had the best song ever. It was called Gledebankin, or The Bank of Joy. The song was performed by three Icelandic pop stars. Erikur Hauksson, Helga Möller, and last but not least, Palmi Gunnarsson. They called their improvised band Icy. We didn't win, not that time, or any time. We ended up in 16th place, and that was a major disappointment. That didn't stop us from getting really excited the next year and the year after that and so on. Every year we hear reports that people in Europe think our song is bound to be one of the top songs, but we have always been let down. In 1990, we actually came close to a top. The song Eitlag N, that is one more song, ended in fourth place and 11-year-old me was really upset that we didn't win.
This song was by a band called Stjörnin, fronted by two singers, a woman called Sigga Bentins and a man called Gretar Örvarsson. Gretar has a brother called Atli, who is a film composer who has composed for such movies as the one I am talking about right now. I slowly lost interest in the Eurovision Song Contest during my teenage years. The songs weren't exciting. On the other hand, the voting process is always fascinating. There have always been voting blocks in the contest. For instance, the Nordic countries tend to give each other more points than to other parts of Europe. Germany often seems to give more points to Turkey, which might be explained by large immigrant communities. In the years after the fall of the Soviet Union, many newly independent countries started taking part in Eurovision. This led to a song called Unite Europe Winning. Unite, unite Europe. This was repeated with the breakup of Yugoslavia. This didn't just make me suddenly bad at European geography, but seemed to form new voting blocks in Eurovision. These new countries were often seen as giving each other more points than the songs deserved. So it is not uncommon for Icelanders to be angry at, say, Norway for not giving our song enough points, while at the same time being upset that Eastern European countries are trading points. Most years, Iceland holds a domestic contest where we select our song for the year. It was not always a democratic thing. There was a jury that voted for the winner. Then juries from Europe selected the final winner. The public often had very different opinion on which songs were actually the best. So slowly phone-in voting was introduced so that everyone could have their say. But voting is not free. The joke in Iceland is that the way to win the contest is to get the kindergartners to fall in love with the song because they will then pester their parents to vote. A turning point for Iceland in Eurovision was in 1997 when our entry was by Paul Oscar. I need to talk about him for a bit. He became a pop star in the 1990s while challenging homophobia in Iceland. It is fair to say that he changed how Iceland viewed gay people. His entry was called Min Hinsti Dance or My Last Dance. This brings me to something that is addressed in the movie. At the time, the songs were supposed to be sung in the country's native tongue. As a result, many songs include nonsense choruses that are easy to sing along to, or, as was the case with Paul Oscar, including internationally recognizable words. London is the language rule is no longer in effect, so now almost all the songs are sung in English. The fact that Paul Oscar is gay is not inconsequential. The fan base for the contest includes many gay men. I don't know how many or why this happened. My only thought is that the contest might easily be viewed as camp. In later years, there has been quite a friction between the reactionary politics of Putin's Russia and Eurovision. Many acts seem to purposely defy Russian policies regarding homosexuality. Speaking of gay icons, 
Every country has its own commentator. The most famous is Graham Norton, who plays himself in the movie. If you don't know him, check out clips from his chat show on YouTube. It is especially fun to see him interview Hollywood celebrities who don't understand what is going on. Graham and I both went to University College Cork in Ireland. Not together though, uh, about 20 years apart, but I am still mentioning it. Paul Oscar didn't win. As I said, no Icelanders have won. But in 1999, we sent Selma with the song All Out of Luck. She came in second place. This was our best result ever, though ten years later, Johanna Guðrún did match it. Is it true? In 2006, a parody reality show star won the Icelandic contest. She was called Sylvia Nótt and openly mocked the whole show. She caused quite the opera in Eurovision and fans booed her in the finals. didn't win. Instead, a Finnish band in Monster Makeup won. This is actually referenced in the movie. So let's get back to the movie, where we find Lars and Sigrid, now fully grown up. They are in a band called Fire Saga and want to win Eurovision. While the real Iceland has changed a lot since the 1970s, this modern part of the movie seems quite anachronistic. There is a scene with a bus which is so old that it is likely from a museum. The movie also portrays modern people as still wearing similar clothes as they did in the first scene. No, we wear mostly the same clothes as other Western countries, though we are more fond of black than most others. In this part of the movie, we get a view of the main building of the University of Iceland, and you might just be able to spot the statue I talked about in episode 28, the Naked Seal Club. In the weird Iceland of this movie, the building is actually the headquarters of the Icelandic public television. After a bit of drama and backstory, Fire Saga enter, and this would be a spoiler if you didn't all know the formula for a movie like this, get selected as Iceland's representative in Eurovision. This brings me to a plot point in the movie. Not a real spoiler, though. But not everyone wants Iceland to win the contest, since that would mean that we would have to host the contest the year after. This would be really expensive. It might bankrupt the Icelandic state television station. This doesn't mean we would send purposefully bad songs... But when our song does well, the top people get nervous. While this point was semi-realistic, this leads to a point where the movie was quite unrealistic. When Lars and Sigrid have been selected to represent Iceland, they go to Edinburgh, Scotland for the real Eurovision. For Edinburgh to host, the UK would have had to win the year before. As they note in the movie, the UK's entries are usually hated by the fans. 
maybe the movie is set in a parallel universe where Scotland has declared independence and everybody in Iceland actually believes in elves. We really don't believe in elves, not many of us anyway, and most who say they believe aren't being serious. Also, elves from Icelandic folktales are not small, they are human-sized and they don't live in tiny houses. So, as you might have guessed, there is elf stuff in the movie. The weirdest part is that they play the song Heir Himna Smithur, or Here, Smith of Heaven, which I covered in episode 5 of this podcast. This is a religious song, while elves in Icelandic folklore are portrayed as being in opposition to Christianity. So a weird choice, but a beautiful song. Since having children, Eurovision has again become a part of my life. Kids love the show, which means I take more notice of the songs they like. The song Lipstick by the Irish twins Jetward was on repeat for months after the contest was over. The kids also love that they can stay up a bit later than usual. In Iceland, the contests always start at 7pm, and is about or just over 3 hours long. The time is selected because it is prime television time for the countries that contribute most of the funding for the contest. But when the contest was held in Baku, Azerbaijan, it was actually held in the middle of the night according to the local time zone. I don't know if kids in Azerbaijan watch it as much as kids in Iceland. The contest part of the movie is littered with references to Eurovision. The most noticeable might be the hamster wheel, which yes, did show up on stage one year. But there are also many cameos from past winners and notable people which I, as a casual viewer, recognized right away. Fans will likely love that part. If I were to assign myself the role of film reviewer, I have to say the movie is quite stupid. I'm not talking about the errors regarding Iceland. The names are easiest to pick on and would have been easy to fix. And I am not referring to the song lyric that talks about the Highland Fjords. They guided me to the Highland Rather, I am talking about the humor. It is quite dumb. But Eurovision is quite dumb as well. In fact, the whole concept of competing in music is absurd. So while I think the movie is stupid, that is not the same as me not liking the movie. I laughed at all the dumb jokes. So, since you are obviously interested in Iceland, you should watch the movie. Just don't believe anything it says about Iceland. You should also remember that anger cannot churn the butter. That is it for today. Thanks to Vaidemon Helstere, Christopher Barth, Austin Yule, Emily Harper, Evan Williams, Jon Helgason, and all my other supporters. And as always, special thanks to Troy Williams, Kristen Rose, Robin Williams, and Catherine Matthews, friends of the podcast. I am Oling Nestisolerson, and this has been Stories of Iceland. Episode 34, Eurovision, Will Ferrell, and Iceland.